In this episode of the Views from the Deck Chair, I get to speak to a real-life superhero, Fiona Jeffrey, the founder of the incredible charity Just a Drop. Her organisation, which has its roots in the tourism and travel industry, has just celebrated 20 years of saving lives and helping hundreds of communities globally thrive and become self-sustaining with safe water, education and life skills. Fiona believes that life without water is an endless struggle. With it, almost anything is possible. Fiona took her lessons in business, her global experience with the world travel market and her inspiration from motherhood to founding Just a Drop, but she is doing her very best to make herself and her organisation redundant. I've had the great honour of raising money for Just a Drop in the past and working with Fiona and her team, but I've not had the privilege to sit down and fully understand her background, the history of Just a Drop and the obstacles and the perseverance required to get to the 20-year mark and help so many people. And I had the opportunity today. I'm sure you'll find Fiona's incredible story and anecdotes as inspiring as I did. So please enjoy. It's my absolute pleasure to have Fiona Jeffrey OBE with me sitting today in the deck chair. Fiona's simply an amazing person. Uh, she's proof that not all heroes wear capes. She's the former managing director and chairman of the World Travel Market in London. She's a member of the uh, UN World Committee for Tourism Ethics. She's chair of Tourism for Tomorrow, part of the World Travel and Tourism Council and founder of the incredible organisation Just A Drop, the international water development charity that has just celebrated its 20th year in November. Congratulations on that massive milestone, Fiona. Thank you. Welcome to, to the Views from the Deck Chair. Great to have you with us, sitting in the deck chair here in uh, beautiful London today. Not exactly on a, an island or an oasis. But it's still nice to be here. It's still so nice to be no, <laughs> no problem. Uh, just a Drop have helped 1.5 million people to help themselves uh, getting access to clean water and sanitation uh, across 32 countries. You've done over 200 projects. What, uh, what an amazing achievement, but what, what I'd really like to do is, is take you back a few years to your early days and understand a bit how you got to, uh, to founding Just A Drop, what were your inspirations in the early days. So, so take me back to, to Scotland, uh, your hometown where you were born, whereabouts were you uh, born and raised? Um, well, I was, I, was born in, in, um, I was born in Glasgow and raised in a town called Kirkintilla. Right. Um, my father's a doctor, my mother a nurse, and I've got two brothers. Yeah. So I was brought up and educated in Scotland, both at school and went to university in Edinburgh, yeah. um, where I studied languages, French, Spanish and Italian. So in terms of the languages, was it something that you found early that you had a, um, you know, a, an ability to pick up or understand languages? Yeah, no, I, I suppose I had a natural um, sort of penchant and ability with them. My initial instinct, um, my, my initial desire was to um, do medicine like my parents. Right. And um, that, was a, that was an intention right up to the age of 17. And then I realised that I was probably just not bright enough or tough enough. Okay. To do that. Right. And so I, had, I doubt I had, that. I had to change direction. Yeah. And so I decided to go into something at that point in time that I would enjoy. And then just go in and enjoy being a student and student life. Yeah. And um, so I was, I was good at partying. I was good at having a good time. And I managed to get my degree and was quite happy by the end of it. So oh, it fantastic. was, yeah. So have you retained those languages? Because you've... you've uh, 
I mean, what was it? There was uh, there was Spanish, French, and did a masters of Italian. Is yeah. that correct? Yeah. Um, well, I'd say my French was pretty rubbish now. Right. <laughs> I can sort of get by with my Spanish, and my Italian is still reasonably good. And yeah, I think yeah. you know I could pick it up quite easily if I just went went back to Italy for a couple of months. Um, which I would love to do. Are there many countries that you're doing projects in at the moment that require you to draw on those languages? Or? Not particularly. Not really? No, 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 no. <laughs> no, no, no. But I suppose my languages took me into indirectly. Um, when I left university, I went into retailing. Yeah. Um, I then realised that I actually enjoyed my Saturdays. Um, and then I ended up joining um, the exhibition company, Read Exhibitions. Yeah. And that's what drew me into that world um, of sales, marketing. Yeah, it was a, it was a business world. Um, and I ended up um, developing and, and growing and building the event World Travel Market. Yeah, so, so tell me about that. I mean, so you went into read exhibitions and I mean, they do tons of uh, exhibitions in various industries, not just in travel. Is that correct? Yes. So, right. so were you doing a, another event before then, or was there a demand? Yeah, no, uh, I, was, I was working on 17 different events. Um, and then as um, over a period of time, um, the nature of the, the, the business changed. And I had the opportunity to specialise in one industry sector, which right. for me became, became travel. Yeah. Um, and that was, that was a, a fantastic opportunity to understand one industry extremely well. Um, and as I, when I ultimately took over responsibility for running World Travel Market, which was just after I had had my first child, it, I really felt that I wanted to run an, an event that added value to its, the industry um, that went beyond just being a business-to-business -business event. Okay, okay. So something that would, you know, look at tackling the, the, the wonderful nature of World Travel Market was it was a key industry event. It wasn't as, as um, important as it is now. We built and developed that. But there was an opportunity to address industry issues at uh -huh. a global level yep. and make the industry more aware of that and not just think about itself all the time in terms of doing business. So okay. that was an important part of the focus I think I brought to the event at the time. Yeah. And and I guess I mean world travel market has become a, a behemoth on the on the calendar of uh, you know the global travel industry. Um, those events are very much about promoting and, and any travel events very much promoting um, the great things about destinations, aren't they? And uh, in order to, to get pe people to, to, to book and come and visit those destinations. But what an organisation like Just A Drop helps do is say, hey, look, we've got, you know, this is great. We want to promote um, various destinations. But what we also want to do is make sure that those destinations are sustainable and that we're looking after the destinations that we're promoting so that giving a business an appreciation of actually there are some things that we need to try and help rectify in these places rather than just promoting all the good points would that be fair to say um yes i mean i think i think what happened was a, a sort of um natural evolution um you know in running in running world travel market my first instinct was if the industry as a whole doesn't protect the very product it's seeking to promote yeah. it will destroy its own business model uh -huh. um so with that perspective in mind, I felt that the industry really had to become much more 
environmentally aware, understand the impact it was having, um, both positively but also negatively. Yeah. Um, and so, in response to that, I set up an initiative called Environmental Awareness Day, okay. which um, was about 23, 24 years ago. Um, and the first event I ran, there was only um, 30 people that attended it. And you would have to say, you would call them the Green Welly Brigade right. you know, or Tree Huggers, people that were already committed. Yep. But in an event that had, you know, tens of thousands of people, nobody else was interested. Okay. And, and the, f the fact is, nobody was interested. Yep. Um, and I found it a real challenge to get engagement from the industry in the environmental agenda right so I kept plugging on with it and you know 25 years on it is now known as World Responsible Tourism Day yeah. and it now attracts um, you know m more responsible tourism practitioners from across the world yeah. than, than any other initiative or wow. event so ultimately it became a success yes but at the time it was just a total struggle and it was as a consequence of that, and I had just become a mum, I had Cameron, I was pregnant with Lauren, um, and I just thought, I've got to find an idea that is easier for the industry to, to understand and accept. Yeah. Um, and so I set about trying to come up with something that I felt was uh, global in its reach, that it impacted children and, and families, okay. um, so it had a, that personal touch, and that um, it was also still environmentally sound and so I did my research and at that time I learned a few pretty um, horrific statistics. Um, one that um, dirty water was the biggest killer of children under the age of five. Mm -hmm. um, it was caused by diseases like um, cholera, diarrhea, dysentery, bilharzia. Um, but that um, a child was dying every 17 seconds That's because insane. of dirty water. Yeah. Um, you know, a third of the world's population didn't have access to sanitation. Um, and then I, then I came across another statistic which really sort of probably shaped things for me. And that was the fact that at that time, one pound could deliver clean water to a child mm. for nearly 10 years. And so that's why I called the charity Just a Drop, yeah. because the principle was I had nearly 50,000 people coming to my business. Um, if I just got one pound off everybody coming to the event, then that would give me 50,000 pounds yeah, yeah, and yeah. I could do a lot with that money. Yeah. And in that way, the industry would start to be able to give back to communities across the world uh -huh. that, you know, when they're using the world as their product. So. Um, you know, when I look back now, I didn't realise it at the time, but I think it was a very early example of what corporate social responsibility yep. means and meant. Um, it was a demonstration of that, but I, I tend to be quite a practical, pragmatic person. So, um, you know, an idea is fine, but unless you can make it work, yeah, there's no purpose to it. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I had to translate, and my idea of a um, better educated travel and tourism industry at the mm -hmm. time um, wasn't working. It yep. wasn't getting the engagement that I was looking for. Okay. So it, that sort of spurred on the the idea of coming up with something something else. There was no intention in my part to um, develop a charitable organisation. Right. It was all about trying to 
educate and encourage my industry just to end up having a stronger, better um, social conscience and get the industry to be part of doing good as well as doing well. Um, so, so what? That's great. Yeah, as you said, you've got the idea. How do you how do you find your first project and how do you how do you launch that first project? Where where was it? What did it look like? Um, yeah, well, I sort of the first start was to raise some some funds and some money. Yeah. Um, and you know I could do that through the medium of of World Travel Market. Um, it did my idea of getting a pound off everybody. Um, didn't work. Uh-huh. Know, it doesn't work like that. You end up having to get you know do things in different ways yeah, and yeah, learn yeah, along yeah. the way. But I think one of the key things that um, was 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 an important step for 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 the organisation and, and and my journey with it mm-hmm. was I invited um, the international explorer Colonel John Blashford Snell to open World Travel Market. And that year he came and he visited and um, my PA took him round on a tour while I was tied up doing something else, but we had a big opening ceremony. And he knew a lot of people at the event. It was at Earl's Court. And you had a real sense that the world of tourism was at your feet yeah. at, at Earl's Court. And um, it, whilst he was touring, um, the Minister of tourism for Ethiopia who he knew very well said John of all the things you've seen at World Travel Market what's the thing that's impressed you the most and he said just a draw wow and when I heard that I was amazed because you know we're tight you know we're yeah, a small yeah, yeah, yeah. stand we were there with the presence but it wasn't you know not all the glitz and glamour that was surrounding it etc and um, I decided to 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 follow that up and I spoke to John, and I, of all the spe- people I spoke to, he got the issues of water better than anyone else right. I had ever spoken to. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a royal engineer, he's an international explorer, and on one so of his So he'd seen journey, it firsthand? He had seen it firsthand, and he recounted a journalist following him down the Amazon for about three, four months, and saying to him after a period of time, John, of all the things you miss about home, what is it that you miss the most? Expecting him to say Judith and the kids. Yeah. And he said, turning on a, a tap and getting clean water. Wow. So I got John involved. He became our president. He's still our honorary president now. But through him, I had access to a team of royal engineers. Mm-hmm who ha- are very experienced and know how to work and operate in difficult environments. Yeah. They also have the expertise to engage with communities. And it's that engagement with communities and getting them to end up feeling empowered mm. with the support that's needed that started to help create the framework of how we operate in the field which is quite distinctive to how other people have been operating in the field at that period of time. Because you feel uncomfortable about calling it, even though it's a registered charity, uh, calling it a charity, don't you, in terms of yes, I, I, the way you I, operate? Yeah, I, I, don't, I personally don't um, like the word, cha- the word charity because I think there's a sense of beholdenness mm-hmm. to that. And also, I think it's... It, it becomes not a very equal relationship. Yeah. Um, and I, as a business person, now also running a charity, 
Um, my aim has always been through the charitable organisation to ensure that any of our key funders and donors feel that they are um, getting something back through the organisation mm -hmm. as well and that we're we're adding value yep. as much to them, whether that's a um, the, the sense of them making a massive difference and seeing that for themselves through either our reporting or experiences in the field or that they can um, use it to enhance their own um, corporate uh, social responsibility yep. or the engagement of their staff and their employees or an individual donor, just recognising how transformational mm -hmm. they are, you know, supporting people yep. in, you know, in that journey. So for me, it's I've looked to try and create a more equal relationship between um, donors and the people that ultimately we are supporting. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, you know, I see it much more as, as a community development organisation. Um, because it's critical in terms of sustainability and I suppose you know I have to look at just a drop and we have you know three key things that sit in our our operation which is water sanitation health, yep. hygiene education um, but um, sustainability is the most important element of mm -hmm. the whole organization in terms of its DNA and that's about the sustainability of the work that we do in the field mm -hmm. and ensuring that it's there for the long term and um, you know I feel that's really important from our donors perspective because they want to see you know that they're putting a positive investment mm -hmm. in and they're creating that change and it's really important for our communities that we're supporting because um, you know, they have they are there to be able to support themselves for the long term. Yes, yeah. And therefore, it's not a handout. Uh -huh. It is about um, real engagement with local people, giving them the support needed for them to help themselves, and that's how we run and operate our projects. And so that that first project, when you do, I, I don't know, do you call it breaking ground? Because you're sort of you've, you've found a community that is in need. Uh, you know, you've you've raised some money to initiate just a drop, but um, on ground level, which is the first country, the the, the first village that you uh, that you help. Uh the very, well, the very first project we did was um, actually in Kenya, um, right. and we did that in partnership with the Liwa Conservancy, based okay. in in um, in in Kenya, um, at a school um, called Westgate. Right, um, and that school is still thriving now. And um, yes, it's you know, what's really positive is how you add value. Mm -hmm. the, the, by providing water and sanitation, um, it's the absolute basics for you know human survival, but it's also um, the seeds of everything else. Mm. So if people have water access to water, they can not only do they end up being healthier, yep. but they have are able to grow crops. With crops, they can feed their families. With excess crops, they can trade. Mm. It starts to help them get out of the poverty trap. Um, and so the, the wonderful thing about something like water is that it, it is the source to everything else. Yes, of course. And we've always said that, you know, life without water is an endless struggle. Mm -hmm. um, with it, almost anything's possible. Yeah. And so we work on that basis. Okay. 
And so uh, when the when the project project is set up, I mean the interesting thing is that first project in in Kenya. Did you say Westgate School? Yeah. Uh, there'll be kids going through that school now that are benefiting from. Uh, you know, who've who've graduated and gone through from oh, from that initial and, and start, that, and that again goes back to sustainability. Mm. Um, you know, I, I was in a school in Uganda uh, two three months ago, um, and I'd been there two years previously, and what I saw was was was, pretty, was desperate. That, yes, that was children um, from the ages of five to fourteen going to school from eight o'clock in the morning to five o'clock at night, not having anything to drink or eat yeah. in that whole period of time. It was so so impoverished because it wasn't a great um, environment. The quality of the teaching was, wasn't was great. They didn't have fantastic teachers yeah. either. But by us then, you know, putting water and sanitation into the school, when I went back two years later, it was utterly transformed you know, the right? kids had energy they were happy yeah there were more teachers in the school wow. they had started to grow vegetables and fruit trees so they were all happier and healthier okay. we had started running a menstrual hygiene management program to encourage the girls to stay at school um, you know the, the energy levels were were there um, it, it just it was just a completely different environment wow. and knowing that it wasn't just these kids that were going to benefit from that, but that it's an ongoing program, mm-hmm. you know, year after year. Um, was it was very rewarding, and and you you, you I think the reason um, we you know I've continued to to work at it tirelessly is because we do make a difference. Yeah. I, you know, I don't find it easy. I'm not you know I didn't set out to run a charity, uh-huh. um, but. The fact that you actually genuinely do change lives yeah. means that you know um, the effort's worth it. I can imagine something that I felt quite strongly about at the outset that I felt that people should know where their money was going. Yep. Rather than going into sort of a, a big pot that they never really appreciated okay. the impact. So um, the first thing is that people donate to very specific projects. Yes. And they they sometimes get to choose what those pro- projects are. Um, in terms of um, the type of project they'd like to get engaged with um, and know the nature of the people that they're helping. Yep. And um, and then we report regularly as that project evolves okay. so that people actually see the work that's being done. Um, so reports will come back from the field. Um, we will get videos and, and, and footage and stuff like that. Um, we will report... Um, extensively as well if they get all get a, a detailed final report um, and then if if there are people that wish to go out and see um, then 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 we take them yeah you know so w- w- we can't do it you know every it, they have to tie in with our timetable yeah, and stuff course. but if we're able to give that personal experience to people yeah. then, then, then we do uh-huh. um, because you know in that sense we're quite a personal organization and I think Charitable giving is a personal thing, yes. even when it's done corporately. Uh-huh. You know, it's about it things being meaningful, yeah. and you want it to be meaningful to your business. You want it to be meaningful to you as an individual, and that will change. So, it you know, we happen to be in the 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 wash space, water mm-hmm. sanitation, hygiene, education, 
but it, it could be to do with cancer research, yes. it could be Macmillan nurses, it could be the donkey sanctuary. Mm. What's important is that people that are in a position to be able to, I think, do give, um, and they give to something that means something to them. Yeah. And I think if we can encourage that more, then I think we'd add value to society. Okay. And so over the 20 years, is there any sort of standout memorable projects, like projects that may have been more challenging than, than others, but that you've managed to turn it around? Or, 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 or are they all sort of similar in terms of the challenges? Yeah, they, they're, um, they're, there's, lots of, um, there's lots of standout, but I think, um, you know, again, some of the work that we've been doing with health clinics. I mean, right. I, one of the, I suppose, it was particularly um, cognizant with me being the doctor of a doctor and a nurse. Yeah. But um, we were visiting... Um, health clinic in Uganda again um, and this health clinic had no running water okay um, it had a theater it had maternity unit an HIV clinic diabetes clinic youth clinics um, it had one doctor um, it was servicing a community of over 40,000 people um, but it had no running water wow. And the only access to water, they did have a bit of rainwater harvesting, but it was really poor. Right. Um, and it would run out. Um, and the only access to water was a borehole that was outside the community, the the, the compound of the ho- the hospital, um, in you know next to the next to the fence, which was a community borehole. Yeah. So you know, nurses who were delivering babies, if they suddenly needed water, would have to run out of the building with a jerry can queue pump water and come running back in again now how can you run a healthy environment like Mm -hmm. that so and the quality of the latrines was shocking as well so we um we invested um significantly um in developing a right and appropriate system and again two years later it's um Going back, it was again transformational to see. You, know, you could actually go into the maternity ward and turn on a tap and get running water. That's and there was, you know, there was a shower. Yeah, yeah. And you know, stuff that just did not exist before. Uh-huh. And you know, the staff end up being more motivated. The you know, the the mothers are are happier. They're healthier. Their babies are healthier. Um, the doctor was less grumpy. Oh, really? He's probably the grumpiest doctor <laughs> I've ever come across. Um, so now that you know that health clinic isn't completely there yet. Yeah. There is still more work that needs to be done. We need to create a laundry, which we will look at doing okay. in certain facilities that are linked to the whole wash process. Um, but you know, I, I, I when we were there, I ended up um, holding a baby that had just been born twelve hours earlier. And um, to see that baby healthy, you know, having benefited from the running water that was wow. available is, is significant. What an incredible feeling. So, um, so yes, there's, you know, health clinics, the communities, they, they are so appreciative of the support that yeah, they get. Yeah, I can imagine. Because they're no longer having to trek the long distances mm-hmm. to get water that they've had to before. Yeah. Um, and so the level of appreciation... Um, their seriousness about looking after the facilities that they've been given. So you have a community meeting and conversation and they tell you about the bylaws that they've created, that the children aren't allowed to 
it's play by the borehole, yep. that people have got to go with clean jerry cans, that they block it all off so that um, animals can't disturb and damage. You know, they, they take it very, very seriously yeah. because they, they see it really giving them the leg up mm -hmm. that they need. Once you get the, the basic needs covered as a human, you can start to dream of the next level. Okay, how do we grow businesses? How do we, we've got our basic life needs sustained. How do we start dreaming and innovating and... Absolutely. And, you know, again, and that, I suppose part of our evolution and development over the last 20 years, you know, we started very much looking at purely water and sanitation and hygiene education. But now we um, are doing food security programs. Yep. Um, building big sand dams which enable us to do tree terracing uh -huh. and teaching the local community to grow drought resistant crops so as they can feed themselves and trade in markets so that leads to helping them generate income. Um, we are doing a small microfinance program for women so that now that they're not spending anything from you know three to six hours a day collecting mm -hmm. water they've got more time to make mats or make bricks or learn to be hairdressers so that they can end up generating an income because yeah. they've got more time so they can use their time more productively um, and another key area of development has been our, our, our emergence into menstrual hygiene management mm -hmm. because we learned that a lot of girls were dropping out of school. You know, working in schools, we, we saw that girls were dropping out of school as right. they hit puberty. Yep. Um, and then we learned of some of the myths that surround all of that. Okay. Um, you know, and um, that girls were untouchable, that they would damage crops if they were oh near a gosh. field. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, even some of the, we learned that, um, that some of the fathers would end up beating up their, beating their girls because they thought that it was a sign that they were sleeping with other men. So the lack of knowledge and understanding right. is huge. Yeah. Um, so we started to develop a educational training program in okay. schools where we're teaching not just the, the um, girls, but the boys and the male and the female mm -hmm. teachers exactly what is happening yeah. um, and that has and giving them access to um, sanitation support yeah. um, and doing a complete program on it and we're now seeing girls staying in school and you know if we want equality in society um, ultimately we have to start with education and keeping girls in school is a big part of that yeah wow and so 20 years on, a couple of hundred projects you've had, had on the go in 31 countries, 1.5 million people helped, as I've said um, before, maybe more. What strikes me is that the political environment is changing, polarisation of different countries. You must be the ultimate diplomat, uh, having worked in the uh, amount of countries that you have and different political systems and things. Does it make it more difficult to operate an organisation like yours today than it was 20 years ago? Um, I think we, we all have to adapt to the changes that we, we face. Mm. Um, you know, uh, I suppose, you know, I believe in, in joined up thinking. Yeah. Um, and I, I've always believed that in um, the process of making a project work, it takes um, a team of people involved and that starts with our, our funding partners 
it relies on the Justice Rock team and our engineers and the, and the expertise that we bring to that in the field and it relies on the communities to end up delivering on that yes. um, with our support and our local partners. So there is, there, there is a team that, that, is, that makes it work and ensures that it's sustainable for the long term. Yeah. Um, if, if you look at the bigger picture, um, I still believe in joined up thinking and the fact that you know governments play a role mm. in making it viable for businesses and the third sector to operate effectively. Yep. Um, businesses provide an impetus to make things happen mm -hmm. and it is the third sector that ends up with its professionalisation delivering effectively in the field. And if you want things to function well and for the long term, you need those three elements yeah. working together. So, you know, that, it's what I really refer to as the transformational triangle, uh -huh. where you have government, business and the third sector collaborating much more effectively mm -hmm. than I think they've, that, you know, we do naturally at this point in time. Yeah. Um, what sits in the centre of that is knowledge. Yeah, you know? of course. So, so people need to know and understand the roles they play and mm -hmm. how to do that. Um, but I think, you know, to date, there's been, you know, people sort of operate in their own, own silos and I'd like to see greater joined up thinking happening. Mm -hmm. um, and I think then we would end up getting better long-term results. Because you discuss um, coming from a business background yourself is that, you know, almost in an approach to business, charity begins at home in terms of once you've got a sustainable business, mm -hmm. at your very core, you've got a, you have a responsibility to, to do the right thing. And mm -hmm. how as a business can um, you help not only sustain the environment that you're in, but what, what's the greater good that you're doing as a business rather than just profit? Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, you, I, I don't even need to say it. You've just said it for me. Right. You know, it's exactly that. Yeah. Um, you know, I think um, if we are fortunate enough to be in business and to, to get ourselves to a point where we are running a successful business, then seeing how business can add value mm. in, in a broader way is, um, is actually what we should be doing. And yeah. I think it should sit in um, the DNA of every business. Mm. Um, and I, what I think is encouraging today is I think the younger generation get that. Yes. And I think they're looking for that. Uh -huh. Whereas in my early days in business, it, that wasn't necessarily you know, the, the, the sort of sentiment. It was about um, running quality businesses, but how could we add value in a broader way wasn't really the, the, the purpose yes. or the vision. Yeah. Whereas now, I think, increasingly, it has to sit in the DNA. And I think if that starts to happen more and more, we'll actually see us creating better impacts. Mm. And then as that happens, better coordination will be become really important. Yeah. So when you talk about D DNA, I guess this is the challenge, isn't it, for, for, for some businesses who may think that this is a PR exercise, which then ends up not being sustainable do the right thing message, it's got to come from leadership and work its way down to say, okay, what thinking about what type of business are we, who do we want to be, how do we want to be seen to future employees, how do we want to see be seen by our customers, and uh, how do we want to actually change the world? Yeah, no, exactly right. Yes, no, and I think, it, I mean, it's, it's, um, it's not 
it shouldn't be purely a PR exercise. Yeah. It doesn't mean to say that you know positive PR can't come out of from it. Um, you know, just from a, the perspective of you know young people choosing what company they they, they yeah. work for. Um, it's important that companies put out a positive image and, and attract them and draw them yep. in. But then it's also important that their talent is used yes. and their enthusiasm and their energy and their vi- their vision. Uh-huh. Um, and that's where business can help support that. Yep. So, you know, it is about having um, open, engaged dialogue and then turning that into something that works mm. you know um i always say that actions speak louder than words and and you know an idea is only an idea until you deliver on it yeah, of so course. It, it it is about how do you go about making things into a reality yeah um and creating the right framework to do that mm-hmm. and i guess that's the whole essence of just a drop from its very roots is it it, it such a just a drop can make a large difference to yeah, the lives no, of people around them. Exactly, the and that's what made it feel at the time more achievable. If one yeah. pound could deliver clean water to a child for nearly ten years, yep. it was for me. Um, it would be easier to be able to ask people to support it because I wasn't asking um, any particular organisation or person for a lot of money. I was just asking a lot of people for a little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the principle being that if we work together collectively, we can make a huge, enormous difference. So Fiona, one of your partners is the Radisson Hotel Group. Why did they choose to work with Just A Drop? Okay, um, well Radisson Hotel Group have a very strong environmental agenda Mm -hmm. um, as a a company and organisation. They take their um, responsible tourism really seriously and they look at their footprint. Yep. And they have a program called Blue Planet, mm-hmm. which is focused on um, water conservation. And they were looking for an organisation with which to partner, um, and they looked at quite a number. Um, what they liked about Just a Drop is um, one, we're obviously associated with the travel and tourism industry, yep. two, we're personal. Um, and therefore they could feel a connectivity. We weren't such a big organisation that, you know, they would be just um, lost. And we have an international footprint because we operate in Asia, Africa and Latin America. Yes. So what they developed was a towel reuse scheme where they would encourage their guests to reuse their towels um, for every towel that was reused. Um, they would then donate um, some money to Just a Drop. And for something like 250 towels that reduce, re- recycled or re- reused, they um, donate 13 euros to Just a Drop. Wow. And that, as a pot, accumulates. And then we um, identify projects that they mm-hmm. can support in Asia, Africa, and Latin America. So it reflects their international footprint. Um, as a company and as an organisation. So there are a lot of synergies at a lot of different levels. um, So that we are adding value to their business model, um, that they um, are seen to be operating internationally Mm -hmm. um, and making a difference internationally. Um, And we have a very good um, working relationship yep. and, and we shape things to um, support them so they had they had were growing and developing um, their um, hotel product in India and they're supporting communities in India mm-hmm. 
So it's it, it's a it's a super program, um, and the really nice thing is that for us as a charitable organisation, although you know I don't like that word, <laughs> um, it we feel as if we're adding value to the business. Yes, okay. Um, and then they are making difference to our business, which is transforming lives elsewhere wow. in the world. That's a great example. Tell me, Fiona, uh, just quickly, in terms of the... Uh, what does a month as Fiona Jeffrey look like in terms of travel, in terms of events? Because you're not, it's not just just a drop, it's the UN and, uh, and many other things that you're involved with. What, what does a month in the, in the diary, what's, what's November look like for you? Uh, oh, November is busy. <laughs> not, I suppose every month's busy, but that happens to all of us, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, we had World Travel Market. Yeah, um, of course, it was your 20th anniversary. We had our 20th it's anniversary at World busy. Travel Market. We, um, I was meeting um, one of our um, corporate partners in Brussels last week. Yeah. Um, at the weekend, I was at um, a UN ethics meeting okay. um, in Istanbul. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, Chevy, I'm a, I'm a mum and I'm a wife, yeah. and you know, I love being a mum, uh-huh. um, and I lo- and I love. How old are your kids? Now? They're 24 and 21. Yes, um, one's at university, one's working, and um, my husband is also a student at present. Right, he's um, and so sometimes I'm having to read his essays. Oh, really? Um, is he one of the annoying mature age students that used to get <laughs> at uni, be putting up his hand for everything up the back? <laughs> he's, he wouldn't do that, but yes, no, he's he's um, developing a second a second career at present. Oh, great! Um, and so he's studying philosophy, and my daughter's studying philosophy at Bristol. Oh wow, so they're um, trading notes. Yes, yeah, so, they can, so, so we have indis- interesting discussions yeah. across the dinner table. I can imagine. Um, so no, and they, they've been a huge um, support and inspiration. I mean the kids were an inspiration in the first place for the creation of yes. Just Drop. Um, and over the 20 years, I've had my ups and downs, you know, it's not been easy. No, I can um, imagine. And Nigel has been a fantastic mentor because he's always said, Fiona, at the end of the day, you're making a difference oh, somewhere, and what a and, and not to, not to give up. So yeah, yeah. my family um, are really, really important to me, and I think you know a lot of just a drop evolved from from my upbringing. You know, in the end, my parents, without doing it deliberately, gave me a social conscience. Yes. So when I ended up going into business, I just felt I need to. Bring. I needed to add something else to that, and I didn't realise what I was doing at the time, but I just felt that business could do more, and let's see what it can do. Yeah. Um, and so I think it was my my upbringing that sort of I didn't become a doctor. In the end, I ended up doing what I'm doing now. Yeah. And giving back in a different way. Well, you were acknowledged that, I think, in, in 2012 by, by royalty, um, by being awarded the OBE. Tell that was for services to travel and tourism, yeah. Wow. And so, yeah. so, so tell me, what was the, what was the, the trip to the, the palace for that one like? It must have been amazing. Oh, it amazing. was amazing. Yeah, no, it was. It was a real, real honour. It, it was a total and utter surprise. Yeah. I had no expectation, no idea at all that anything like that would ever, right. ever happen. Um, but the kids, Cameron, Lauren, and Nigel all came. Yeah. And um, yeah, no, it, it was just amazing being in Buckingham Palace. It just felt um, just a real privilege. Oh, I could imagine. A real privilege. Yeah. Not something that I would have ever, ever in my life expected. So, who pinned the badge 
Uh, it was um, Princess Royal, right? And we had a really lovely chat. Yes. And she advised. She she said, "Oh, there's an organisation I think you should get in touch with." Really. And um, she told me, "But you don't have any pen and paper at the time. You right. don't have anything. They take all your stuff from you." Yeah, yeah. And I kept saying, "Fiona, you mustn't forget. You mustn't forget. You mustn't forget." And um, but you know, a few hours passes. <laughs> So the next day I'm trying to remember and all oh, no. I can remember is it begins with the letter W. Right. So I start trying to suss this out and I'm, I'm really struggling and I, I obviously don't get very far. And I'm thinking, oh, I, I need to get in touch with her office at some point yeah. in time. And just to ask, so as I, I know. You can't, you can't necessarily send her a direct, direct tweet or anything mm-hmm. or a text. That would be, that would be, <laughs> WhatsApp. That would be totally inappropriate. <laughs> and... Um, uh, but then I was sitting having a meeting with um, the Just a Drop team. My mobile rang, and um, this lady on the phone said, "Is this Fiona Jeffrey?" And I said, "I said yes." And she said, "Oh, this is the Princess Royal no office." Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And um, she said, "I, I believe um, the Princess Royal um, suggested that you get in contact with an organisation." And I said, "Yes, she did." And I, I've been trying to remember what that organisation was. And she said, oh, "I'm just ringing up to tell you." Wow, and I thought, wow, that's that's that very is, professional, yes, very customer f- yeah. service, no, fantastic, and absolutely uh, fantastic. And I'm still in touch with that organisation now. Oh wow! Um, so, um, but yes, it was for services to travel and tourism, and I, I think that, yeah, as I say, it was un- un- totally unexpected. How cool! So, Fiona, can you give me an example of the direct impact um, to a beneficiary of just a drop, someone in in the community? Sure. Um, uh, I remember um, being taken out to a very, very remote rural community, and we put um, a borehole into into that. And we were going to test and check that it was all functioning properly and well. Right. And um, as a consequence of, of us being there, actually the whole community came out to welcome us and and um, and say thank you. Yeah. But also what they were really keen to do was to demonstrate to us um, just how they had taken on board all the training that we had given them. And one of the things that's really important is them being able to maintain their borehole well, so that it goes back to the sustainability argument. So we watched two men and two young lads for the next 40 minutes take apart the entire borehole, clean it, and then piece it all back together again, wow. and then demonstrate it functioning um, perfectly again. It, as I say, it took, I wish I'd filmed it at the time, but it took 40 minutes in total for the whole thing to happen. And so I, I ended up talking to one of the young lads afterwards and said, asked him, through an interpreter, I said, how long did it take you to learn how to do that? And he said, well, I found it quite difficult to start with, um, uh, so eventually it took me about three months to be able to perfect mm-hmm. it. He said, but the really nice thing was that um, my family were really proud of me. My community's been really proud of me. And I now want to become a mechanical engineer. Wow. And this was from a young 12-year-old yeah, yeah, in, yeah. Yeah, in, in very rural Africa. And um, I just thought... Yes, if we can help inspire people to see that they can, um, you know, they've got futures. There's yeah. a, and, and we spent a lot of time at Just a Drop um, focusing on training, development, 
behavioural change. It takes time and it takes investment. And sometimes donors don't completely understand the va- They can see the hardware, they want to see the hardware. But actually, sustainability, long term mm. investment is about um, education and training and reinforcement. And I think that's what helps Just Drops work stand out because, you know, we commit to monitoring our programmes for a minimum of seven years. But, you know, we've been running 20 years and there's not a project yet that we don't keep an eye on. So, um, so yes, it's, as you've mentioned before, it's the longer term impact that it can have. On communities and that's the training and development and that, that we do that person will then go on to inspire because then he's held up in the community as someone that's gone and done great things and that sort of follows Absolutely. that natural and the cycle same thing happens with you know t- teaching the children the, the values of um sanitation and hygiene education in school they take back to their own communities mm-hmm. so they end up creating their own tippy taps yeah. in their homes. They create their own racks where they can um, keep all the utensils and keep so they're not on the ground. Um, so that education is, is continued in places like India where we create um, proper bathrooms for community, for, for the women and children. Um, that's helping create the right behavioural change to stop open defecation. Yeah. But you have to create the right environment and the women then teach the children, and then as a consequence, the children never go back. The hardest part of, of, of behavioural change there is, is, is the men, because they continue to do what they've always oh, done. Oh, is that right? <laughs> I apologise on behalf of us all. <laughs> Stubborn. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it just proves how difficult it is. Yeah, of course it does. But, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, it can be done, yeah. and, I, and I've seen it happening for mm. myself, yeah. and it's about doing it in the right way, but you have to take um, a long-term perspective on things to make things sustainable. Oh, that's wonderful. So what excites you about the next five to ten years? Um, well, it's like any organisation, I suppose, you know, ultimately um, I want to see that Just a Drop continues to um, to build and grow, the, op- the, the opportunity to maybe add, you know, another destination or two destinations into um, where we focus some of our work if Uh we're able to expand and grow Um, it would be nice to be able to it it is about also ensuring that the organization is sustainable beyond me um, because it's you know it's there for the long term yeah so you know in the same ways we we work um about on sustainability in the field it's about sustainability of the organization um i'd love to bring on a royal patron at some point yes um i think because we're um very grassroots the um and small then you know the impact that they can have Mm -hmm. and help facilitate that development um, would be, you know, would be positive for the organisation. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's so it's about building and developing mm-hmm. and just increasing our impact, being getting better at what we do all the time. Yep. And that's the great thing about the Just a Drop team mm. is that it is small, but it's got full of professional people, mm. very committed to a cause, um, always looking to learn and improve from what we're doing. Yep. 
um, and and building and growing the impact that we can have and, yeah. and the impact that we can have on people's lives. Um, so everybody's on the same page from mm-hmm. that point of view. Um, and it's just making sure that we're we're there to be able to continue to do it as long as we need it. I mean, my ideal is that actually we were all made redundant. Right. You know, if 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 we if if we got to a point where just a drop wasn't needed, yeah, then that would be fantastic. You've done your job. We've done our job, yeah. and that would be the best outcome. Um, but sadly, with things like climate change, um, that's you know that's not going to happen yeah, yeah, yeah. so as long as there are communities that we can help support help themselves then um, that's our mission and that's what we'll continue to do well yeah I mean what I love about your organization and just through discussing with you now uh, has opened up a few more um, a bit more understanding is that is the fact that okay you've you've helped them sort out their water uh, their sanitation but it's not a matter of Two, two boxes ticked it's like okay how can else can we help this community what can we educate them in uh, how can we help them be more self-sustaining and realize their own go- goals as a as a community and um, I don't think I really understood that element as much as I have now but look Fiona thank you so much for coming on the views from the deck chair today if, if an organization was interested in uh, in working in partnership with you to do some great things around the world how would they what would be the website that they look on or how would they get in contact uh, well our website is www.justadrop.org uh-huh. um, and would be delighted if anybody wanted to contact me directly at fiona at fionajeffrey.com and um, yeah no thank you very much for having me no worries it's been wonderful to speak to you today fiona thank you thank you